This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, and even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. This is iFanboy Pick of the Week 675, brought to you by Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. And ifanboy listeners just like you. Hi, 
Fat Boy Pick Week, episode 675, our anniversary issue. <laughs> I'm Connor Kilpatrick. This is Josh Flanagan. Woo! <laughs> Uh-oh. A little early in the morning, wouldn't you say, Josh? Well, it's Black Cherry Seltzer, so... Okay. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's never too early for that. We are iFanboy, and Black Cherry Seltzer does not sponsor the show. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us picks their favorite book. Sometimes they read it until the wee hours of the morning, right before the show starts. Oh, my God. And they call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book, other books from the week, patron pick, powers, listener mail sometimes. It's all good fun. Good and fun. Good and fun. Good and fun. fun. That's what we should change the name of the show to. Good and fun. That's got to be taken. Here's your spoiler warning. It's a review show. There'll be some spoilers. Exercise some caution. Use your brain. This week, Josh uh, had the unfortunate task of the pick. Except not really. <laughs> uh, while there were a lot of books, maybe there weren't even a lot of books. There were at least a lot of pages. I can say that much. There was a lot of pages. There were a lot of pages. Definitely a lot of pages. Um, it was it was a heavy week. It wasn't quite absurd when I was looking at the whole bunch. I was like, all right, it's not it's not insane. The numbers was, lied this week. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of what we're going for. But I really only had the one moment. Where I thought, oh, this is the pick of the week. <laughs> and that's Batman number 67. I was wondering what you thought of it when I finished it. I was like, damn, that was good. I, like, I, I know Josh will love the art. I just, you know, don't know what he's going to think because I know he hates this this arc. I kind of didn't care. Right. I, I literally, I, I was, you know, a few pages into this. This It's it's Lee Weeks and uh, Jorge Fornes. Uh, Jorge Fornes, is, uh, we could always start with Lee Weeks. We talked about it before. But Jorge Fornes is a name now that I kind of get excited when I see. Yep. Although not quite enough that I know why. I'm like, I think that's a good thing. And then I remember. Basically, this whole issue is, is a silent slash sound effects uh, chase. Yes. Through the city, and to me, you know, like like this, like the Snake Eyes, you know, silent issue. It was just, it was an exercise. It was, it was fun to watch comic book storytelling and composition and layout and movement, unfettered by trying to be clever with what people are saying. And and every time I turned the page, I went, oh, <laughs> every time. It was a masterclass in in storytelling from two yeah. really terrific. Artists working with really terrific writers. I mean, yeah, after like five pages, like, oh, this is what they're doing. And then I sort of went back to the beginning to take it in again because yeah. there's some really terrific sequences here. Yeah, and, and there were even bits where like like the sound effects on the page, you know, they made me laugh a couple of times. There's a bit where Batman's trudging through the sewers and it's like <laughs> splish, splish. And the water is, you know, up to his thighs. And I was like, that's funny. It just is. <laughs> like he's trudging around in the gross water. Right. You know, and then the the composition with these long, tall panels, you know, in some instances, you know, either one side or across the whole thing. And then the whole time I'm looking at the guy that he's chasing and I didn't know who it was. I, you know, at first I was like, is this the question? But right. he had stuff drawn on his face. And then there's there's a reveal. It's a spoiler, but whatever, like it, that at the end they pull the mask off and, and it's the Joker, you know, and, you know, how you draw the Joker matters. Mm -hmm. It doesn't always have to be the same or whatever. But the way that sort of the Joker is drawn in this one is he just kind of looked like a person. Maybe it's not really him. I don't know. Well, what's interesting is that, you know, we, we've compared, not just us, but a lot of people compare Jorge Fornes to Mazzuccelli, but he also has a hell of a lot of Michael Larkin. I can see that. And especially the Joker drawing. Yep. The, the Joker drawing was was way more Michael Lark than Mazzuccelli. But also, I mean, we should mention that when the, the first time there's dialogue, they crash through into a bar. It's the bar from the Porky Pig issue of... Batman. 
Oh, I was like, I know this is something, but I couldn't place it. I was going to ask you. That makes sense. Yeah. I didn't need that so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but it didn't, it didn't, it doesn't bother me at all. Yeah. But I think I, I want to say the first time I noticed it, you know, what was happening that I was like, oh, this is a special thing. Let's see, page, I guess five, six, Batman shoots a, uh, you know, his grappler thing around yeah. the shoe. You know, and and you hear the it's moving down, and then the shoe comes off. Yeah, and that's beautiful. And the the panel on the left is gorgeous. Yes, and then later you see the dude running. He's only he's only got one shoe, and and I just like one thing after another. It was it was impressive. Just you know, it it really shows the strength of of the Batman suit looking like this. Yes, like just keep it simple. <laughs> Can you imagine how much crappier this would be? If it had all sorts of lines and pads and and you know armor the, and the knee pads and everything, yeah, it's it'd be terrible. So like, is this a flashback? I guess this is his. He's he's still hallucinating. Okay, we're still in the yeah, hallucinations. Yeah, I don't even think about it like that. I just was literally like, this is great storytelling and art, and there's a sequence, and I had, oh, that's all I needed to. Yeah, to not, enjoy. You it. don't need to have known. You don't need to know yeah. that this is part of that single issue stories uh, arc that's going on inside Batman's head. It's great. I did. I did love the visual tie into the last issue because in the last issue we did have the question. So as you said in the beginning, I had the right. same thought because even though you see the guy's face very quickly on the second panel or the third panel, it's still like, wait a minute. There, there's clearly a reason why he's yeah. dressed exactly like the question is. And and also, I mean, it's the the Rorschach is an outcropping of of the question, but there's a bit the bit where he jumps into that person's bedroom, like it it looks like Rorschach, right. Hundred percent, which is all sort of interesting. It's all that visual uh, mind game that they're playing with you. Right, and, and the overall story, I'm going to trust that there is a reason, and that we will look back on these issues and see the, the psychological clues. But for now, this particular issue, it doesn't matter. You can just pick this one up. And one of my favorite things about Tom King's run, right after him imposing the original costume on Batman, is mm-hmm. his resurrection of lee weeks yeah i'm glad that he continues to show up on this book because you know there's a lot of guys from that era that wouldn't necessarily work anymore when you see them now you're like oh that's doesn't really fit the way comics look but lee weeks could be a 25 year old new artist right now and it would totally work yeah totally he's he's got a timeless style his style well the thing about this issue is that to me, if, if somebody wants to be a comic book artist, and a lot of times in the early stage of that, you know, they don't know what that means. They know that, oh, I can draw, I can render it, I can make it really cool. But the, yeah, yeah the, I mean, the most important thing, though, is sequentials. Even when I, you know, when I was working on projects for a while, people would send me their art. I was like, do you have sequentials? You know, right. and, and to me, like, you could show this to anybody to be like, this is what sequential means. This is how it's done. Well, that's you the know? greatest test of any comic artist. Can you tell yeah. a story without dialogue, without word balloons? And that's... Well, it, I was can. thinking about this too. You know, there there's there's books that we've read lately, a lot of the patron picks and things like that where I haven't loved the art. Mm-hmm. But it didn't necessarily hamper my enjoyment of the book because going through it like I it told the story. Right. You know, and and that's the part you have to get right. It doesn't if it's really pretty, it doesn't matter if you get lost reading the page, which has also happened to me lots of times. Mhm. And I just think that that's what I like most about this is it's just an example of what really is at the root of things, what makes comics great and what makes comics different from every other storytelling form. Yeah. Makes you appreciate the medium for what it has strengths in. Now, the only – not only. The criticism that 
you might be able to level, and I think it's too early, but it's a thought I had. It was a passing thought, and mm-hmm. I wondered, does Tom King sometimes rely too much on gimmick? What's the gimmick? You mean a silent well, the gimmick issue? in this is we're doing a silent issue, and there's been other ones where there's there's things like that. He's got a lot of, you know, it's not all straightforward storytelling. And and, and by the way, my answer to this, I think, is no, but it came up when I was looking at it. I was like, oh, and, you know, because – one man's gimmick is another man's creativity. Right. And I think, or, or, I mean, you, diversity. So you can call it gimmick or you can call it exploring how the yeah. medium works. And this is something that is, is a tried and true element of the medium is the silent issue. This one for sure. I was just thinking back on the run and the other stuff that he's doing. And, you know, Mr. Miracle had a lot of gimmicks in it. Not necessarily bad, just something that sort of popped up. But also, or it was really creative and non standard storytelling. Who knows? You know, what's interesting is there's a lot of discussion. Within the ranks of comics, the people who make them and read them and talk about them is that there are too many books and not enough talented people to make them. And I think I don't think that's true. I think that's definitely true. But if you look at guys like Lee Weeks, who are maybe you know older than what you'd think, there's a lot of people from 20 years ago who could be working on bigger books. I think. Well, I mean, I guess what I said, not that there's not too many books. There are too many books, but there's not not enough people. That's my point. Like, well, I think there's, there's definitely not enough people. I think if you look at most of the books, they're, the talent level is not where it should be. Yeah, but that's that's those choices. I mean, that's for one thing. People are making those choices for different reasons. You know why people are on things. There's a lot of indie books where you sort of work with who you can or who you can afford or whatever. Even the same thing in in major stuff. But there's you know there's a lot of talent out there. Talents talent's only part of the equation. I guess is what I'm getting at. Like I don't know. I feel I feel like at the end of the we've talked about this a lot. We get maybe not writers. But we get exposed to, you know, like there's so many good artists. Every week we're like, oh, look at this guy, this guy, this, you know. Like there's a lot of them. I don't think they get enough work. There's a lot of them, but we, we talk about 10 books. You know, 100 sure. books come out in the week. Yeah. I think, there, I think there's definitely a problem of too many books and not enough people to do them. Just, I would just stop at there's too many books. Yeah. Well, that's, that's why. I mean, that's kind of what Dan DiDio said at Comics Pro, why they're cutting yeah. the line back. There's not, and there's not enough high quality people to do them. Anyway, the point is. There's got to be guys like Lee Weeks that that were big stars in the 90s that can do a comics now and they should be utilized more. Just because they're I mean, older doesn't mean they're not vital artistically. Sure. Yeah, if, yeah, if they wanted to, you know. If they <laughs> Joe want to. Sinnott, Joe Sinnott just retired this week at 93. You know, right. like, you know, I could put down a line. You know, and this, you're right. There's there's guys from, you know, earlier. Walt Simonson's still out there. Like, he wants to draw a major book, let him do it. Like, he's great, you know. Right. Lee Weeks is a really good one, though. Yeah, and Steve Epting is another one of those examples, you know. Yep, yep. And I love that these two guys have a very similar style, but this it's clearly different enough where you don't necessarily get lost in the transition, but mm-hmm. they work well together. It's very co- cohesive. Yeah, I mean, the, the the as I said, the strength of Tom King's run is the suit. The second strength is Lee Weeks. The third strength is that he he really is bringing a lot of really terrific and varied artists to this book. Well, I mean, if you look back over the time that we've been doing this show. There's a through line that you're going to see that most of our favorite writers, the guys who were whose stuff stood out, knew they could tell a story, but secondarily or equally, they they knew how to pick collaborators. Yeah. They, you know, like I think Rick Remender is a perfect example of this. Remender like, Bendis, yeah, yeah, Bendis. I don't always love his choices, but I think he gets choices that are right for his work, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. But Remender's one, we're like. Every time he worked with an artist, it, there was something special about that artist. Mm-hmm. You know, 
and and that's who he would work with. You didn't see. I mean, that's the difference between like a auteurish guy like Remender or or you know Hickman or something like that, as opposed to some of the lower down the rung work for higher guys who are going to take whatever artist they get paired up with. Right. You know, and and it's a risk, but I think that the work turns out better that way. You know. Yeah. You know, you get offered the whatever book, and they're like, well, we're putting. I don't even want to. I don't want to name names or anything, but you know, so and so work a day, regular sort of artist who's not really all that spectacular, but gets it done. You know, if you want your book to be great, you push for that a little more. Donny Cates is another guy right now who seems to have really good taste, yeah. and you know, hopefully, is collaborating with his editors on who he's working with because that matters. He must be because he got he brought Jeff Shaw over from Image. Yeah, yeah, and 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 he had the clout to do that pretty early on. The Batman was terrific. I I would have also made the pick probably. That's great. It was it was the only I read other books we're going to talk about and things that I liked a lot. There was a couple of times where there was like a panel where I was like that could almost be a better week on a crappier week. But Batman was the only one where I was like this whole book was a delight for me to read. You know, for a very simple reason too. I mean, we've been talking about it for a while, but it really was just like it was just fun to look at and it's, it's told the story well. Then that's that's the best of comics right there. Let's talk about one of the three Spider-Man books that came out this week. <laughs> More than that, I, there was a fourth. At least three. Yeah. Spider-Man Life Story number one, which I wasn't going to read because, as I mentioned, I was like, too many Spider-Man books. But then everybody was talking about it, so I I read. I ended up reading it after my regular stack. It's like, okay, okay, I'll just read it. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I didn't know what it w- was at first. I kind of thought I figured it out by the end, and I went and looked it up, and I was correct. This is Chip Zdarsky, Mark Bagley. And this is uh, part one of the Spider-Man Life Story miniseries called The 60s. And did you suss out what this is? Um, I don't know what, exactly what that question means. So why don't you tell me what, 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 what the miniseries is? Like, do you, do, you, do you understand what they're doing here? Uh, I mean, it looks like they're just telling stories that were contemporary to the time, but now. They're telling a Spider-Man story where he ages in real time. Oh, no shit. So in the next issue is the 70s. He'll be 10 years older. Uh-huh. It's basically like Superman for all seasons. Right. It takes place, you know, Peter's bitten in 1962. We you know in conjunction with the, when the book first came out, this issue takes place in 1966. He's 19 years old in the 60s. It's very familiar, but things are slightly different. This is the thing the fans always say they want, right? They want the hero stage in real time and along with the readership and then move on. So this is what you're getting here with Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. What did you think of this issue? I liked it. I liked it a lot. I, I really think, enjoyed um, it. <laughs> I mean, it's at this point, it's no surprise that, you know, I, I'm not going to say Chips are actually surprises me anymore, but I was like, wow, he's really, he's really got something there. And I think because of the way that he came on to the scene, you know, with, with the sex criminals artwork was the first thing I knew. And then, you know, look at my, look at, look at our crazy wacky personality. Like yeah. that came ahead of the work to me, but he's done a lot of things in the past couple of years. We're like, Wow, dude's got it. He's really good. Um, and, I, I'm, yeah, I'm enjoying yeah. the, the the 180 we've done on Chip Zdarsky. Yeah, no, totally. Uh, you know, and, th- and that's all you need to back it up, by the way. I think sometimes if you show up with a little too much attitude from out of nowhere, you're like, well, what the hell? But he's, he's backing up 100%. I've liked so much stuff he's done. I really like the tone of this. Mm-hmm. It was a very nice blend of modern and, you know, antiquated tone, I guess. And also, in, in to that respect, I think unexpectedly, Mark Bagley was the perfect choice for this. Yeah, at first I didn't think so. The first couple uh-huh. of pages I thought, oh, you're going to retell Spider-Man's origin with Bagley, someone who's known for doing that so much in the Ultimate Universe. But then mm-hmm. 
it really worked. And I thought this was actually really terrific, Bagley. Me too. Where we, in the past, you know, he draw he draws so quickly and so and so much. I assume I haven't seen him in a while, but he was great at Ultimate Spider-Man for so long. And then every once in a while, you just get kind of a clunker. But here, I thought this was really, really high quality Bagley's work. Yeah, here. but and it, but also because it was just like he doesn't he doesn't draw like a modern artist. Yeah, I mean, he just doesn't. He's just something. He's a uh, of contemporary. A, but he also he doesn't draw like a guy from the '60s. He's again, it's a blend, and and in this context, it fit really well because it doesn't feel like the newest Italian guy out there who's doing these crazy, you know, yeah. brushy kind of things. It was just sort of straight up comics and it fit that tone really well. But, you know, some of the things that they were talking about in the book where they were discussing, you know, uh, like should Peter, does he feel like he needs to go to Vietnam? Should he? Is that his duty? Is that his responsibility with his power? Those are not things that were discussed this sort of directly in the right. 60s. No. They were in the background. They were, they were, you know, hinted at they were they were thought of behind the scenes but they wouldn't have been said in the books and so that's what makes this different but it's just that that sort of blending like it was modern and you know retro i guess in in a way the bit in here with captain america mm-hmm. it was great you know it was yeah. it was a di- it was a different captain america it's captain america from a different time and place but the spirit was the same oh, i thought it was a great conversation it's, it's a brief one but about the war it, and like do I want to go to Vietnam? I just I just unfroze from World War II. I don't really understand this war. It doesn't seem that good, but I should go over there and decide for myself. And it takes an unexpected twist. I thought the cliffhanger was really interesting. Yeah, I went, oh. You know, that Vietnam is in the background of his entire story. It's always it's in the news. People are talking about it. Flash is going off to Vietnam, so they have a, there's a party for him. And and Iron Man is over there in the very beginning, sort of fighting for the U.S. side. And in the midst of the main story, which is sort of about Norman Osborn and Green Goblin, which I thought was a terrific Green Goblin, and I, I put it up on our Instagram page. You forget how fucking good that costume design is, and you never see Great it anymore. Costume. You never see Green Goblin. If, if you see him, he's got some sort of stupid modern mechanized costume, and here it's, it's just... a monster. Just so good. That relationship between the two of them is so creepy and good. And yeah. You, you really do miss that in the books right, right and now. And also, they didn't waste a lot of time in the book. They were just like, this is my father, Norman. Oh, cool, that's interesting. I'm Green Goblin, and you're Peter Parker. I was like, oh, we're off. <laughs> I liked that. I really liked I liked that this Peter Parker had kind of a chip on his shoulder. He had kind of an edge. Well, he did in the comics yeah. in the sixties, right? Yeah. And and like like he he went after Flash immediately. <laughs> yeah. You know, sort of for no reason. But then there's the modern twist of they go and talk it out. And I was mm-hmm. like, well, I would have never been in the sixties. And that was interesting. <laughs> it was just it was just kind of cool choices on a book that didn't feel modern but did. I really like this. I'm really happy yeah, I read it. This would have been my runner-up for pick of the week. Yeah, that's a shot. I'm interested to see where it goes from here. I don't know anything about it. I don't know if it's still Bagley going forward, but clearly there'll be repercussions in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Also, great Chip Zdarsky cover. And then in this issue, there's a teaser for the next cover that he drew yeah. with, where he's holding up a disco ball, which also has looks like a Jack Lantern face. So I guess yep. it'll be about him and Norman again, which is fine, totally fine. Which is in, Yeah, that just, should be the case. I'm very excited about this. I mean, there's there might be too many Spider-Man books right now, but... This was a good one and an interesting twist on it. And, you know, if they can stick the landing of, of this strong opening, then this will be a really strong Marvel miniseries you can hand to somebody. And they don't really have a lot of those. Yeah. So good yep. job. Good job, everyone involved. It was it was delightful. Yeah. I wanted to check in on, uh, I've been talking about Jessica Jones, The Purple Daughter. The mm-hmm. third issue came out this week, which is the fifth and sixth chapters, if that matters to anybody. And I've enjoyed it the whole way. And I, I guess I just want to bring up, it stuck the landing. 
This which is the I final was, issue. Yeah, yeah. It's the end of this story. You know, we find out that the Purple Man's son had secreted away the Purple Man's body and was keeping him alive in a coma so he could siphon his blood off. And he was he had injected. Uh, he'd actually had actually no. There's a bunch of twists that had to do with mind control and things like that. That if I try to explain it, I'm going to blow it. Right. But it involved like one more confrontation of a comatose Purple Man, you know, who was uh, communicating with Jessica, and she had to make the decision to let him in to her mm-hmm. mind and with control so that they could, you know, they could beat the bad guy. Right. And there's a lot of, you know, conflict there. There's a lot of problems, but you have to make a sacrifice and think about the best thing to do. And she's fighting with her husband, literally, like because he, he's under control. Right. And and just sort of the recognition that, you know, she doesn't have control. This is always going to be a thing. She's never going to be able to trust anything. And that's a really rough way to live. Um, and I think that's the crux of her character. So, then, you know, then the other side of that is, you know, for a long time, it was only Bendis wrote that character. Mm-hmm. And then when he left, we thought, well, what are other people going to do with these characters? This is going to come up later. I'm going to talk about this later in the show on another book. But, you know, I thought this this was her. This was Jessica Jones. And it, and it, it read true. And, you know, it didn't qu- really quite feel like Bendis, but it did not feel like that character in that world. Mm-hmm. I guess this was a digital only where they're going to re- release collections of them. Yeah. Again, like, I was a really good collection. Like, if you liked the TV show and never read the comics, you could read this. You'd be you'd be totally fine with it. It was, it was good. I just, you know, and, and I, I feel like I'd written off some of Kelly Thompson's work before. Uh, but I also, the whole series had been done, I think for the most part, by uh, Maddie D. Uh, Ulysses. Uh, Ulysses, uh, and then uh, Philippe Andrade uh, did a bunch of this, and his work's beautiful. Yeah, he's good. He's come up on the show every once in a while. I remember he was on something that Paul read, and when way back when he was on the show, Paul was, you know, very for his work. And in this, it was just it was just beautiful. So that was really nice. Like, art was really good on this sort of digital only thing. Well, yeah, the, the digital first book. I think that Jessica Jones is is a great character, but she's the most interesting when she's dealing with the Purple Man. And I realize that's like a cop out because that's like saying Batman's most interesting when he's dealing with the Joker. But there's something very special about those stories because they're so dark and freaky. We talk about this all the time with Purple yeah. Man, but just to contemplate his powers is quite terrifying. Well, it's such a like the there's a metaphor in the whole contrast with she has all of this power and ability, but there's this one man who like will not let her be her. and so she's just all he's always in the background ruining her life basically yeah. and she has to sort of come to terms with that to sort of find the kind of happiness she can and that's why it's consistent with what bendis was doing it's why the tv show worked you know she needs to throw him into the sun she that's needs to what find that's what thor <laughs> that's what no captain marvel literally thought she did that right that was the story, and 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 so like at the end, Carol lands, you know, fly, and like what happened? She's like, yeah, he didn't throw him into the sun, you know, and and he escaped, and then he's got they've got his kids around from the Mark Wade Daredevil time, you know, it's good. Now Jessica Jones, when she's hanging out with the Avengers, not so much, I find, but in this, she's she's a private detective again. She's you know she's working her cases and doing her stuff. Uh, it was it was fun. I feel like the Wildstorm's been coming out for four years. Well. It's been coming out for almost two, at least, if it comes out regularly, and I don't think it's quite monthly. I think Ron was still on the show when it was first coming out. He was. He was definitely on the show when the first one came out. Uh, it's John Davis Hunt on art, and uh, Warren Ellis has been on every single issue. And we're ramping up. This is issue 21 out of 24. And here is the conclusion that I came. First of all, what this has turned into. First, it set up the world of basically reconfiguring the world of the Wildstorm universe. Mm-hmm. I.O., Stormwatch, Wildcats. We've gone through all of these phases. In fact, 
I believe if you look at the arcs in the book, they followed the same arcs as the actual Wildstorm universe in terms of introducing characters and things like that. Probably. And now we're at the Authority. Well, I was going to ask, are we at the Authority now? Yeah, and they're all – so what's really interesting about this, and this is when it occurred to me. First of all, the Authority were the last really great superheroes to be introduced, I think. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, you got like Miles Morales and people like that. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, those are kind of antecedents almost. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a legacy character, so if you're talking about to- – but then again, the Authority are basically just the DC characters, so – It's true. It's true. I'm not, I'm not even making the claim this, but you could make an argument. Yeah, no, for sure. They're they're great. And also, if you want to think about it, even in terms of like epochs, you know, 1960s is, is you know, Fantastic Four, Spider Man, Hulk, 86, Watchmen, Dark Knight Returns, 2000, The Authority. Yeah. It, no, for sure. You know, The Authority, Grant Morrison's Justice League, like that, the, Mark Miller, you know, Garth The Authority and, like, legitimately changed the way comics are made. Even yeah. now, and people who weren't reading them may not get that when they look back on it, but everything's sort of aping the authority. Not tonally necessarily, but certainly art-wise and yes. storytelling-wise. And, 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 and just like idea-wise, like theme. like, like Big ideas, of, yeah. The, the way the characters talk and sound. Everybody wants to do what Warren Ellis does, but nobody can do it the way that Warren Ellis does. And only smart people realize, like, I can't be Warren Ellis, I should stop. But the point was, Warren Ellis did those comics. He did Stormwatch, and that was followed by Authority. And those are great comics. You can read them right now, and you'd be blown away if you've never read them as if it was a comic book that came out this week that was genius. I find it fascinating that he's doing this now, and he is the one who is deconstructing his own creations and putting them back together in a completely different style. It's almost unprecedented. It's crazy. And also, like, when you think back to what, what it was about the authority then, it was about personality and visual bombast. Mm-hmm. And this is the opposite of that. The art yes. is very, I don't, I'm trying to, like, stayed. It's very. It's not flashy. We talked about this. It isn't. R- r- it's two effective. Years ago, it's, yeah. it's really good. I like the artist a lot. I think he's right for this. But also, it's showing me now why he picked this artist to work with. Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming he picked it because he's a big deal and sure, he can yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's the right thing because it is so opposite of the thing that you would have thought of as the Wildstorm style. The Jim Lee moving into um, Travis Charest, moving into Brian Hitch. You know, Brian Hitch created a style of comic books that was aped for over a decade. The, the widescreen thing that everybody else tried to do. Nobody did it as well as Brian Hitch. That's where Frank quietly comes from as far as American audiences know. And and this is the opposite of that. In the way that the, it looks and it feels, it's got elements of that original thing. But he just said, well, yeah, but what if it looked like this? And it's really, it was very, you know, it feels, you said it feels like it's gone on for years. It's very uh, deliberate. And it's, it's very, now I see the intention in it. I love seeing intention. It's going to be interesting to see how this wraps up and what the whole, and beyond just the deconstruction, what it all, what, what, the, what yeah. it all means. Yeah, I mean, the same ideas are there, but I just think that they've been modernized. Mm-hmm. You know, that came out at a different time, so there's a different context around it. You know, there's one just shot of, of the Apollo and this one flying around in space and the sun's hitting him, and he's got... It, it was very indicative of a shot from um, the original Authority, you know, where he's out in the yeah. sun and he's sort oh, of happy because sure. yeah. he's absorbing it. You know, there's the relationship with Midnight and Apollo, which is still one of my favorite relationships in comics. They're a great couple. Uh, it, but, you know, so it's still got that. You know, but in this one, Jenny Sparks, the doctor, and Angie have a three-way, and they wake up after it, and, and Jack Hawksmore is in the other room like, what is going on here? And it's 
it's just like it's those characters are really interesting and there still are just you know askew slightly uh change for them for today's world uh it just impressed me sort of in an overall look at the thing i'm really excited to talk about lazarus risen number one josh you can call off the troops to stop putting people up against the wall the book's back stand down this is an eight dollar 64 page quarterly book now with new subtitle and new numbering which is uh, unfortunate, but this is the way of the world. Sure. Written by Greg Rucka, art by Michael Lark with Tyler Boss, as always. I was excited for it to come back. Lazarus was one of our favorite books for the last couple of years. I'm really happy that there was a three-page recap. Yeah. <laughs> I had forgotten a lot of that. I mean, Lazarus was a book that was very dense and complex, even when it was coming out regularly. And... However long the, the I don't even remember how long it's been since the last issue, but it's been a long time, so I would not have remembered most of this. So that was good. Um, but what was to me great about this format is, I mean, you really got to really got to revel in it because it was it was long. It was forty something pages yeah. of story. There was clearly a sort of a demarcation, like where you could have broken it up into two issues. But mm-hmm. I really liked just getting to sort of dive in for a while. And this is another reason why this week, despite. I think I only had like 23 or 22 books. It still felt longer because there was some of the longer books like this. I really liked this issue. I liked it. I really enjoyed reading it. I didn't read the whole... I was like, I'm going to wing it. I'll see what happens. I'm not going to say I didn't read the whole thing. I didn't read the whole recap. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not even going to be able to make sense of this. I can tell. Just because it's so dense. I just thought, I'll pick it up. I'll see what's going on. So I'm sort of of two minds, I guess, on the format. Like. I like monthly comic books. I really do. Like as a thing, I, I don't, you know, it's one of those things everyone's like, I'd switch to trades if I could. And I was like, I, I wouldn't want to do that. I really like the way that they come out. I understand why this one doesn't. It makes total sense to me. I don't begrudge them. I'm amazed they're keeping it going this long. And I did like hanging out with them for that long. But to me, it didn't feel like we were getting like two or three times as much story as we were before. It felt more like he got to really dig into the place that he, that he was going. When I say he, I mean, I mean the writer, Greg Rucka, he's a novelist Mm -hmm. and what he's, he's good at, you know, is, is, you know, hanging out with the characters, really get into the things. Obviously he's incredibly detailed oriented and, and the world building is important. And I felt like he got to, it's just like he got more pages in an issue than he would have. He said that in the backup that what this format allows him to do is to put in more stuff that he wouldn't in the past. Like he said, there was a couple right. of scenes in there that he's been trying to do forever, but just have, they've had room in 20 pages. Right. So now he and, gets and to do, the, do that. That's true. But the other side of that is that the story is now going to be moving slower than ever <laughs> because it's coming out quarterly and we're making about as much ground as we were before, just less often. Well, less. I mean, you're getting two. You're getting basically two issues every quarter. Yeah. So you're getting half yeah. as many issues, which they, I don't think they ever were monthly. Like, but but I'm saying you're not really getting two issues in the same sense. You're getting two issues worth of pages, however, whatever yes, it is to pages, tell the story. But I'm talking about about story progression, like getting through plot and stuff like that. Again, it's not really a bad thing, but it's going to be harder to hold on, and it just it's going to it's. I feel like oh, we're going to be reading this forever and and that's not necessarily a bad thing but i like my comics to feel like they're heading somewhere and i have no doubt they are with greg rugg he's a novelist but it's it's just like oh i'm gonna be very old when this is done <laughs> well that's not true it's not gonna go that long yeah my pessimistic nature for the, the comics medium doesn't think i don't think this will well yeah. I, and i mean but that's kind of the thing though is that like i, I really want to read this whole story but i feel like we're still just you know we're getting into act two well i don't know i mean i don't know what 
like if you just say what what is the story here? It's the war between the Carlisles and everyone else. And I don't know what the ultimate story sure. is other than just that. You know. I guess what I'm getting at is like I feel like he has so much about this story that he could tell, and he can go all the ways. And if he was, I love comics, but if he was writing this as a novel, he was written three or four of them by now, and it would be amazing. Right. We are in maybe the first chunk of the second book now. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's true. And, and I and I I I I think. I, I think it would be better as a novel. And I love looking at this art. It's fine. But, like, we'd be able to read it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And we can't read it now. And I'm I'm thinking well, he's in this format, in this medium, he's never going to get to all the stories he's got in his head. You just you just can't. It just takes too long. It's like walking to Alaska. Yeah, and there was also discussion in the letters column about that. Someone asked him if he would ever see Asia. And he said, I'm just not going to be able to get to Asia. Like that just <laughs> Exactly. And that's my point. Like, I love Michael Lark. I love the comic book format, but I feel like this kind of story, he's he's putting it into a comic book and maybe it shouldn't be. Right. Well, that's 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 it's criticism of a very odd kind because I want more of it basically. You know, we know what's going on in his mind and it's like get it out. You know, it's it's almost like it's like Game of Thrones, like finish the things. I mean, I understand what you're saying. I just don't yeah. necessarily have that angst about it. Yeah. I'm happy to I, let I, it I, unfold the way however it's unfolding. And I'm not, I'm not losing sleep over it. And yeah. I really did enjoy reading this. And I thought, oh, Michael Lark has had time to do this. Mm-hmm. You know, there wasn't, a, there wasn't, you know, guys to come in fixer, art fixers, you know, to sort of yeah. get things moving and, and clean things up. And another guy, it looked as good as it could and should. And I did feel like we'd made progress. I was like, oh, you know, we we get the, you know, forever. She got a haircut. She she's <laughs> free of the mind oh, control. That element. was the one criticism I had. Yes, I know what you're going to say. She and one of the other female characters had the same haircut. Mm-hmm. And they had yeah. the same coloring. Yep. So when the other character showed up in a time of big trauma in the story, I thought, wait, why is Forever doing that? And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. That's not her. Yeah, I had a little trouble following the characters uh, in that way. Maybe don't have like, your two darker hair female characters have the same exact haircut. I feel like maybe we shouldn't need to tell professionals this. <laughs> I'm just and saying, I was... don't know why it's constantly coming up. Ever since, I mean, like I, we've been aware of from a long time. But I remember when, whenever Gabe Hardman was on Secret Avengers, and he's like, oh, great, a bunch of blonde superhero guys. Yeah. And I, at that point, I was like, yeah, you should, like, that should be, I, I mean, I feel like they knew that in the 60s. Yeah, at least give them different blonde haircuts. At least here, they they, yeah. you know, they have this exact same hair, and it's unusual for a, a woman, so it was, uh, it stands out. And then, so when when the young Forever got hurt, and the, the doctor rushed it up to her, I was like, well, I thought Forever hadn't met her yet. Say what you will about cartoony styles, but, you know, if, you, if you're reading a book by, um, Riley Rossmo. Mm-hmm. You always know who his characters are. <laughs> you know, you always, you're never like, is that guy that? Guy? No, you know exactly who it is because they got, you know, that that animation shape kind of thing that they get to play with more. It's the benefit of of costumes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Let's take a quick break to talk about Harry's, which we haven't done in a while, Josh. That's right, but now we get to be more excited about it because we let it build up. I was thinking about as I was using my Harry's products this morning, what I was going to say to kick off this this ad, and I realized. Uh, there is something new that's happened in the in the meantime. In that, if you're a monthly subscriber or a subscriber like I am, you get your box every month or whatever. They send you an email saying, "Hey, your, your box is getting packed up. Do you want to change anything for this month?" Because sometimes you add or subtract stuff. I, I sometimes have to get more cream because I go through it pretty quick. But they've added like a a mystery box feature to it now, where for five dollars you can you can get a mystery product, and they have got a whole line of products now. So it's fun. I, I've done that the last two months, and I got a fun uh, uh, post shave balm. In the last oh, so it's it's like it's almost like a little game. Like for five bucks, you're gonna get a, you get a little surprise <laughs> in the box, and that, that's I think that's really fun. 
If you're a hair subscriber, don't miss out on that. If you've got five bucks to spare this out a month, they've got a whole bunch of things that they got like they've got moisturizers and they've got face masks. It's a fun little thing that people are enjoying. Over 10 million people have tried Harry's, Josh. You can claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com slash ifanboy. Harry's founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. They knew a great shave didn't come from gimmicks like vibrating heads, flex balls, or handles that look like spaceships. These are all marketing tactics that brands used to, for decades to raise prices on their products. They fixed all that by combining a simple, clean design with quality, durable blades at a fair price. You're not kidding. When I saw the handle the first time or whatever online ad, I was like, that's what I want. I don't want the postmodern art deco plastic. Just give me that. That's orange. It's nice. Yeah, it doesn't look like it came out of a 90s comic book. Yeah, you very know? good point. Too much armor. Too many pouches. You don't need all those pouches on your blades. <laughs> it was the wild storm. Of... <laughs> so how they do it? They bought a they bought a world class blade factory in Germany that makes high quality blades for over ninety five years, and they've received over twenty thousand five star reviews on Trustpilot and Google as a result of all these things. Harry's replacement cartridges are just two dollars each. That's half the price of the Gillette Fusion Pro Shield. It even sounds like a nineties comic. It does. Fusion Pro Shield. It was great. That was uh, <laughs> that was uh, Marvel. Brett Booth and. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> all Harry's blades come with 100% quality guarantee and if you don't love your shave you can let them know and they'll give you a full refund which is terrific so here's the offer you get a $13 value trial set that comes with everything you need for a close comfortable shave a weighted ergonomic handle a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade a rich lathering shave gel and a travel blade cover all listeners of the show can get that trial set at harrys.com slash ifanboy make sure you go to harrys.com slash ifanboy to redeem this offer and let them know we sent you and help support our show as well. So thank you very much. Awesome. Speaking of going back, uh, criminal number three, who, which seems to keep starting over. I was like, how are we only number three? <laughs> so check. I, I really dug this. Oh, yeah. I have a lot. <laughs> it was, I mean, it's it's like comic book creator history, like nerd. Just, oh, I suck it up. It's great. <laughs> Did you read the uh, little bit of the end? A little of it, but not all of it. Well, I didn't know. well just because he... I thought you'd like that because he was like, everyone's asking me who these people are supposed to be. So here's all the references. Oh, wow. I will go, go back and check it out. Yeah, he's like, there's not, they're not supposed to be anybody, but there are elements of this guy and this guy and this guy and there's elements of this guy. Yeah, I got that. There's one point where Hal refers to, he's like, you know what Wally Wood said? Yeah. He's like, and he's like, I wish I'd just gone back and cut off my hands. And I was just like, that's brilliant, but also Wally Wood is not a good source to ask. <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's, that's where this guy is, though. That's his, he's yeah. in that same dark place that Wally Wood was at the end. There's a great cameo here by Will Eisner yep, and a Julie Schwartz character who gets punched in the face. At a that was my show. favorite. That was my, earlier I said that there was one panel. That was my favorite moment of the week. <laughs> uh, because... Basically, so they go to this award show and he's just trying to get him there. So he's like, say everything you want on stage. So that, you know, the, the, the main guy is, is sitting there, he's waiting for the guy to go up and the fireworks to go off as he talks shit to everybody in the industry. And he doesn't do it, which deflates it. The Chekhov's gun goes away or whatever, walks up the stage and he decks the editor in the face. And I was like, oh, <laughs> he didn't expect it. He broke his jaw and he's mumbling the rest of the time. It was good. <laughs> It just, I mean, it was, a, it was a fun little crime caper. You know, there's a robbery in the middle of it because they're going to yep. rob his stuff back from the guy who stole it originally. There's a tie-in to the rest of the story. And so I feel like I need to make like a lawless family tree and keep it in my office on the wall so that when I read Criminal, I'm keeping track of who everybody is. Because every time one shows up, I'm like, wait, who is he again? Which son Ricky. of... And then Ricky went to the banquet. 
<laughs> that was the other thing. When he punched the guy, he said there was silence except Ricky was laughing. <laughs> That's a great detail. Yeah. I love that he was all into it. He wore a suit. <laughs> it was fun. Like, honestly, I, I think if Batman hadn't come out that what like because of that sequence, that would have been my pick of the week. Oh, this was That's, a great this is I yeah. mean, no surprise. We love criminal, but I mean Brew Baker's Baker still got it. But like it didn't it felt like criminal, but I was like, it was a little different take on it. It's I mean, like it seems like it could be super uh, self indulgent to be like, I'm gonna do an issue on the on comic creators and comics history, you know. Mm-hmm. But who cares if it's good? That's the, I mean, that's always the rule. Like, do whatever you want. Do the thing that I hate that is cliche, just do it really well and it won't matter. And the guy, the the main guy, the assistant, Jacob, he was a star of Bad Night. He was the kid remember. who loved comics, right? It takes place ten years later after this story, according to the last. Right, I know, but there's an, there was another story at some point where, like, he was with his dad, who was a criminal, and they were in like the little town. And you no, know, forget was, the lawless imagery. I need to make a serial killer esque wall diagram of all the criminal stories and how they attach and who the characters because yeah, and it's been over such a long time that I I couldn't point to which one's which, but there was I feel like they were in Arizona or New Mexico and he met like a little girl and he went into the bookshop and the guy had old comics and so he would sit there and read them all the time and this guy loved comics when he was a kid and there was one that like half of it was an old comic. Yeah, I mean the criminals Brubaker's love of crime noir and but it's also about his love of comics as well and how yeah. how comics have been tied into crime stories and. Yeah. Great about it. So next issue is a Ricky Lawless story. Nice. I'll be able to add that to my my wall. He had such a good time at that banquet. That's part of that. It should just be more of that. Yep. <laughs> he just goes to award ceremonies. He doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> Ricky Lawless at the Golden Globes. <laughs> he would fit right in the Golden Globes. He would. They would love him. This guy should sit with us. I skipped Meet the Scrolls number two because it was a heavy week. Yeah. I was looking forward to it because I really did enjoy the last one so much. But this one, I think the story is pretty interesting. I think the characters are interesting. But they, I got lost a lot hmm. in that because they're scrolls, they don't ever look the same. So there's a lot of times I was like, I don't know who this is. Uh, there's two daughters and there's a wife and they're kind of I, – I just haven't gotten a handle on who they are yet. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's a little bit the the nature of the story, which makes it a challenge. Like the art looked good. But I had a – I was like, oh my – and I you know, I hadn't – just gotten a handle on everybody's names yet i found it kind of tough to follow mm-hmm. i like i like what's going on like i like that the the father has a problem because you know it's his daughter like she's not like them she's she's been raised on earth and he's right. outwardly really mean to her you know and i, I think i can see where it's going to go but i find i find it interesting i, I like nico henrichard's art a lot but I, I was really kind of lost. By the end, I, I think I kind of figured out what was going on. But all that shape shifting is really, really difficult uh, in comic book form because you don't have like the voice to rely on or, or sequences. I think they're doing their best, but I'm also I don't have any attention span anymore. So, are you are you off Naomi? No, no, I read it. You read this issue. Naomi's a resident of some book of all of Bendis' stuff so far. It seems because in this issue we have a reference to Gem World and the portal that the people went through in the Young Justice book. And then we had a surprise appearance by a Ran, a Ran, how do you say someone from Ran? Randian? Ranian? 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 Iranian? Nope. Well, a guy who looks like Adam Strange. Yeah. So, yeah. so by the end, I was like, oh, so he's just, this is where everything is coming together. They don't like to be called Finheads, by the way, just <laughs> so you know. Naomi is convinced that the giant guy at the garage is her f- real father. She's adopted. And uh, so they have a confrontation. 
and he's not her father, but he has secrets. He's a he's a Thanagarian, and then his mom shows up and slaps the big guy. I really like, you know, the gentle giant is not a new concept, but I really like this guy. He's got all this social anxiety, so all these small people push him around, and he's also mm-hmm. the giant Thanagarian warrior who is not your typical Thanagarian warrior. I like that too. I just like that there was revelations in this issue, and they were interesting and unexpected. Yeah, I, I felt that way too. I don't know that I'm fully connected to it. I don't feel like it's really hooked me in, but it's kind of interesting. I'll see where it goes. I keep reading it. Because there's something else to this. Obviously, the, her father yeah. is from Rand, but the mother's really upset about the, that they have to tell her all this stuff. She's crying in the car as they're walking away. Clearly, there's more to the story. They haven't revealed who yeah, she is. And I want to see I want to see if he can land it in a way that is satisfying to me. Right. And then where it goes, because this is just the beginning. This is right. her story, and what does this mean for her going forward? I, I, I really like this, this book. I don't love it, but it's pretty, I'm I still it. reading it. Miles Morales, Spider-Man, number four. I had earlier spoke about, you know, Bendis characters that other people are writing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I've been okay with this run. I haven't loved it, haven't not. But I did feel like this issue really had um, Saladin Ahmed specifically sort of take the character and characters around him and, and give it his spin mm-hmm. in a way that I don't think was inauthentic. Bendis would not have written this. Bendis mm-hmm. wouldn't have written the dialogue in it. And, you know, this was a guy, I mean, I don't, I don't know Saladin Ahmed, I don't know, but I think he's got a much better ear for how an urban kid would talk, mm-hmm. who's in New York City, who's a mixture of, of cultures, and how his friends would talk and what they would be important. I think that they did really well with this. And then at the, it, at the middle of it was a really, you know, good sort of Spider-Man in high school story, which is he basically skips school, pretends to be sick so that he can go to a museum that has original uh like pages from like biggie's notebook his original Mm -hmm. rhymes that he wrote and then you know there are other stuff like that there and he doesn't want to go because he's a good kid and he doesn't want to get in trouble but then he finds out the girl that he likes is going to be there so he goes and then you know super villains show up and he has to keep escaping to be spider-man and then he gets sick at the end for real Mm -hmm. you know you know high school drama story you know but at the same time it's the spider-man story and I, th- I thought it worked really well. I, I was, I was, I was enjoying, it and I was impressed by it. And I was like, oh, they're, they're going to move this character into the next level after Bendis, and I think that that's okay. I mm-hmm. think it took more after, you know, it, it took a little more after the movie, I think, than the comic book did, and I think that's the right move at this yeah. point, uh, so that the character doesn't wither, basically. Yeah, I ended up dropping it just because I didn't. Yeah, I didn't like the last issue, and there was so many books this week. It's just a good opportunity sure. to drop to call the list a bit. Sure, I don't think Solid in a Med. Hits with everything, but I think that he does he does some things really well, and, and the, the work is usually interesting if I stick with it. Avengers No Road Ho number six. I meant to mention number five last week, and I blew it because it was a <laughs> reveal that happened. But first, I just noticed this right now. For some reason, there's legacy numbering on this book. Mm-hmm. So are we counting this also as Avengers? Because this is a legacy me. 713 on the bottom. That's not okay. No, this is it's a mini not okay. Series. You don't count miniseries as legacy. No. What kind of crap is that? They're trying to rush to a thousand. Yeah, they are. That's exactly every book's what Avengers. Fuck that. What happened last week was that uh, there was these mystical shards that the villain wants. You know, it's a classic. The shards get sent all over the universe, and they've got to get to them before the villain can. And Scarlet Witch went through a portal to chase after one of the shards, and she woke up with Conan the Barbarian. And so this whole issue is basically an issue of Conan the Barbarian, as yep. she and Conan go across the desert plains trying to find this mystical shard and almost romancing and killing people with swords and monsters and this has been the first instance where conan is fully integrated into the marvel universe now and it's all right and also i mean there's now three conan books they added another book with the the pirate lady 
Mm-hmm. So this would be yeah. this would be the unofficial fourth Conan book. I'm okay with it in this, although it, for a little while I was confused. I think I definitely was like, wait, what am I reading? Uh, I, I like I went back to the cover to make sure that was the right thing. Right. It's okay. I, I've I've slowed on this a little bit. It's been fine. The first issue was the best issue, but I like this issue. This will probably be the second best issue of this of so far. Yeah. I think it's only ten issues, so it's short. It's gonna be over soon. Yeah, and that's you know it's fine. That's that's totally good. It's it's still holding together. I'm enjoying. Like reading. Conan's still in it, based on the cover for the next issues. Because what they really needed was a grand plan to bring Conan into the <laughs> into the Marvel universe. Like it's kind of fun, but let's not let's not make it a thing. I think they are. Well, I'm just saying, get in and get out. <laughs> so that was the books we we're going to talk about. A lot of books this week. But if you go to Patreon.com/ifanboy, you can vote to add a book to the rundown every week. The patrons do that. They're good patrons. I have to say that. I didn't realize it at the time, but the burger books from Dark Horse, very high hit rate with the patrons. I think this is the third yeah. burger book that's been the patron pick. Well, the patrons, much like Dark Horse themselves, all really want to hope that she's still got it. No, this is Invisible Kingdom number one from G. Willow Wilson and Christian Ward. Sal Cipriano on letters. Uh, this is a sci-fi story. There's two stories here. One is about a woman who is making a pilgrimage to become a nun. And the other one is a story about Amazon delivery people whose delivery ship crashes on a moon because one of their parts was busted and they find out some secret. And much like the other burger books, I found this to be kind of impenetrable and uninteresting. <laughs> Can you hear my dog snoring? Because I can't get him to stop. <laughs> He's like right over there and I just keep hearing... And I just want to apologize to everybody, although I find it quite soothing. Anyway, you're right. I discovered this week that I don't think I can tell the difference between bad sci-fi and okay sci-fi. I can only pick out, like, I really like this sci-fi, and everything else is just, I can't Gibberish? It, I, I, yes. Um, I don't know. I mean, I read a lot of sci-fi and watch a lot of sci-fi, but sure. I think sci-fi needs to have a strong point of view and a strong introductory character. Yes. And if you don't have that, it just becomes a lot of gobbledygook and right. jargon and which, which planet names and different names for food. Like it's – it's Yes. You 100%. need to give me a way into the story. And then the rest of it's fine. It, it falls into place. But you need to have a strong point of view and this didn't really have it. You're, that's, I think that's extremely cogent. It's probably better than what I said is I just was like I don't have a hook here. Yeah. I just am in yet another of – you know, and after the the, the – you know – apocalypse books that we're reading it's a futuristic world in which everything's been destroyed the next one is we've made up this world and they have jargon and they call things flus burgers or whatever the fuck it was and i don't know what i'm reading why or who and and just to think we're not throwing her into this i feel like seven to eternity is like this too there's a lot of books like this image went on a jag for a long time putting out yeah. sci-fi books like this from top flight creators and i would i would agree with you seven to eternity from recommender is, is very impenetrable for me and it's just a it just seems to be a comics thing you know christian ward's a terrific artist and g will wilson's a really good writer and yes. just it just it just didn't land i had high hopes i was like i really want to like this as i keep going but i was about halfway through it and i was like ah, what am i doing here yeah and i i mean like it literally felt like there are in recent history, three or four other books that I have read that felt just like this. Yes, yes. And I kept waiting for something. And then at the end, the – the, I mean it seems like the, 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 the conflict, the, the, it's an accounting scandal. <laughs> Which is kind of that, funny 
But you have to you have to really dig through a lot to get there. Yeah, but also that's not I don't care. Like nobody made me care. Yeah. There's nothing about these characters. There's a girl and she's lost, so she joins a convent so she can find her way. Great. Who gives a shit? Because you don't, you, mean, don't know, you don't nothing about her, so you don't. Yeah. You don't learn anything about her. It's the course of her pilgrimage to care. You know. Well, yeah, and you learn like, oh wow, she goes. I mean, basically, it's like a new girl going to school. Some of the girls are mean to her. The head mistress, lead nun, whatever she is, nun n o n e, clever words. Like it doesn't get you anywhere. In fact, unless it has something to underpin it, it I find it annoying because it's just people playing around. And I can see somebody being at home, like check it out. We're calling this, isn't it clever? And it is, but it doesn't matter if it doesn't add up to anything. Yeah. I think I'm actually being harder on this because that's why the first thing I said was, I don't know the difference between bad sci-fi and okay sci-fi. I just know really good sci-fi. And this, you know, there, there might there are things about this that seem like they're competent and well done. I think this is okay sci-fi. I think this is very yeah. middle middle of the road. I think you can you can stack a stack of okay sci-fi comics that have come out in the last five years as high as my head. It's just yep. There's been a lot of them. Yeah, totally. To me, almost okay is almost worse than bad because bad is I, off, there's often something interesting. Okay is just like it's just a slog. Yeah, and it felt like that, and I I didn't want it to, and that's what a lot of these burger books have felt like. They they almost all have been all the ones we've read. Yeah. With interesting art. I mean, they were they're like she she's getting content. good artists, but the thing is like good writers. If you look, yeah, but if you look back and because I, I was thinking about this as I was coming up with my theory of sci-fi is about you know how to get into it is if you look back on those 90s vertigo books they had a strong point of view mm-hmm. and they had a strong central character yep. and these books just don't seem to have that and they had a i don't know it's like an attitude like the seed which we liked for the art yep. is very similar kind of muddled kind of caught up in its world building as opposed to telling the story and well the stories are trying to be very like cool you know, like, I don't want to feed you too much. I don't want to, you know, but there isn't enough to make me want to stick around because through that thing. Like, you have to be, you know, if you're Grant Morrison, you can do that. I'll hang around. Right. But with this other stuff, not so much. I mean, in that way, the strongest book has been The Girl in the Bay. Because at least. Yeah. It has a strong point of view and a character we just didn't love. We just didn't love the execution. Yeah. But, you know, but at least from that point, I was interested. I read the second issue. How was it? The other books I have forgotten about. Well, the seed stopped coming good. out. And they just had, right. they just had to resolicit the third issue. Yeah, yeah, True. it's weird. It's weird. So let's give a rating on Invisible Kingdom out of five ratings. I'm gonna just go right slice it down the middle and go two point five. I would do the same thing. It's an invisible story. Uh, sticking with it. No, no. I mean, it could come around if somebody if if three issues later, no, this really turned it into something. This could be pilot problem. There's a lot of pilot problems out there. You know, let us know. But so far, no. Patreon.com/slash/fanboy. So you can go and vote. To this, then this book won by like a country mile too. Mm-hmm. It was it was uh, it was big. <laughs> I, we Connor and I had talked about this, and he's going to start adding some folksy sayings. He thinks that <laughs> we're losing we're losing the middle America demographic. So uh, things like country mile, uh, how crow flies, right? You know that kind That's of stuff. That's the crow flies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I only recently figured out what that means. Oh, it's a straight line. You. <laughs> you mean like how I turn on Waze and it says it's five miles away, but then it takes 20 minutes? Only oh. 20? Well, I don't live where you live. <laughs> Everything in L.A. takes 45 minutes to drive to. It doesn't matter how far At away. At the it minimum. But it's probably gotten worse ever since the ever since the phones. Oh, it's fucking uh, an hour and a half to get to. Somebody so said to me like, once, like, you know, like, 
you take a city of LA, which is like millions of people in their cars, and and every person who takes that one extra second, or oh no, it's look up from their phone, and how that radiates out. Oh my god, I, I experienced that every experienced last night. I'm in, you uh-huh. know, waiting in this giant line to make a left, you know, a, a protected left turn, and you only get you only get a short uh, yeah. time. And if you don't hit that turn, you're waiting another four minutes of the light, and every car is not moving immediately because they're all on their phones. Right. And I'm like, we're never, we're just never gonna make that. I'm just, and I'm just like screaming at my windshield, go! <laughs> we could make <laughs> it if we all went oh. immediately. Oh. So all those one seconds just add up. Yep, for and, sure. And make it, and it was bad then. And the it, spider it, web. It, yeah, for sure. If you love this kind of discussions about Los Angeles traffic, which original listeners will, will know was our main topic in the original episodes how your commute to the comic store was first of all if you do like that kind of thing uh, we did a whole new york based version of that in our goodfellas minute podcast That's true. so maybe you're not so into the movie but you're like wait they're talking about new york city transport uh highways surrounding environs yeah. and, and and robert moses we did so i don't <laughs> know if that helps people go over there but there is that and uh, that is also helped supported by the folks who help support iFanboy, it turns out. You can go to patreon.com slash iFanboy. That, I'm sure everyone knows what Patreon is by now. We got in early, thank goodness. You, you're basically saying, you know, I like this thing you do. Your audience isn't big enough that you're going to be able to make a living on something like this. But the way that this works now is you can say, I really like what you do. I wanted to stick around. How can I help a little more directly? And so you sign up. You say, I'd like to pay this much a month. Every time you do that, you get a different level of rewards. And, and but, but more than anything, what you're doing is saying, you know, I want this thing. I wanted to keep going. And I'm going to show you a tangible way of showing that I support you as opposed to just listening. And if you want to just listen, that is totally fine. That's up to you. This is not mandatory. But if you have the ability to do that, please do. Um, so we have stretch goals. The next goal uh, is uh, in addition to our sort of uh, non-monthly comics podcast, which is uh, where we would do something akin to a more focused version of our year-end all-media show where we would talk about something that's not comics. We would do that once a month. We've got our other podcast, The Talks Blow and The Books Blow, coming at you because directly of, of Patreon subscribers. Um, but we will also upload all of the missing full-length video shows and minis to our YouTube channel, re-embed them on the website. We're going to get them in there. It's a lot of work that's involved with that. So uh, we want to you know, make it worth our time. You know. But but either way, um, that's one way to do it. You can also uh, get some merch for yourself. Uh, you can go to ifanboy.threadless.com. We have a bunch of um, ostensibly T-shirts, but you can put them on long-sleeve shirts sweatshirts and shower curtains and bath mats people have bath mats and it's awesome uh we got seven designs up there we're working on getting some more threadless is threadless is great like you know they're you know there's there's crappy t-shirt printers out there but threadless does really good stuff that's why we're working with them you could also just say i don't i don't want any of that i got paypal what can i do and i said okay well, i can help you with that go to ifanboy.com support and you'll find a link to our paypal there and then finally ifanboy.com slash Amazon, an even more indirect way of, uh, of supporting. You can find uh, links to buy all the books that we've talked about on Booksplode. There's always a link on our Pick of the Week to the Pick of the Week book. Uh, and there's a, just a general link there to get over to Amazon. It doesn't cost you a thing. It's an easy way to support the show. And, and we thank everybody who does that. All those things work together in concert to help Connor and I keep the show going and be able to devote the time to it that we do. That's right. Speaking of Patreon, patreon.com slash ifanboy is where you can go to help and vote on the Patreon pick. But also, if you give it the $5 or higher level, you get your own superpower right here on the show live. Let's kick it off, Josh, with you. Brett Delier. Delia? Delier. Delier. I like it like that. That's cooler. Has the ability to tell if somebody is lying to him, but only if that person is of a higher status than him. 
bosses. Uh, I see. Politicians, mm-hmm. police officers, people who are who are below him, his children. Uh, this is this is this is a fuzzy line. I'm gonna be like, can't tell those. Everybody else he can tell. So he's never gonna get took by somebody who's got power over him. Right. But it doesn't work the other way. Interesting. I don't know a good nickname for that, or even a practical use. High status of, lie detector. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, but like, say you're at the bank getting a loan, you don't know if you're getting the right thing. Bank manager. Well, you're working at, but if you're working with a car salesman, I don't know how, I don't know which way that goes. Well, in a, in a, yeah, that's true. It's a fuzzy in line. That, in, in that, in that relationship, in that moment, they have power over you, but you sort of have power over them. This is a whole thing about class that I don't know that I was prepared to get into. Stephanie Booz, no matter what pizza is ordered, it's always the pizza she wants that she gets. Mm-hmm. So. Let's say you're at a party and it's a bunch of pizzas. And of course, all the good pizza goes fast. Mm-hmm. So what you're left with is like mushroom or some other abomination. <laughs> anchovies. I'm glad you didn't undersell that. Pineapple. Have you ever actually seen a pizza with anchovies on it? Uh, like in movies? I know, but in real life. No, not in movies. Because ever... I don't hang around with monsters. Well, okay. <laughs> anyway, if you had like a pizza that was only... <laughs> Like anchovies left. Actually, you live in L.A., so I imagine you haven't had a pizza in years. <laughs> Boom! <laughs> Not a good one. Actually, there's some good brick oven plates. Anyway, she will pull a slice from the pie, put it on her plate, and it'll, it'll materialize into whatever she wants it to be. Does it uh, retain its uh, natural aging, or is it refreshed when that happens? She's not a refresher, as we had in a previous episode, but she, she, just, she gets the pizza she wants no matter what the pizza is available. I like that. Does that, does that extend only to toppings, or like does it change the crust? Type? Oh, you're saying like, like she it, she wanted like Sicilian? Yeah, or like she goes in. Oh, it's Chicago style, but I want a New York style. Yes, it that it does apply okay. to that as well. Excellent. So if she was eating Chicago pizza cake uh-huh. and she wanted like real pizza, <laughs> she would get real pizza. I'd like to point out that that was a extremely indirect swipe it around comics. <laughs> <laughs> No, is it a is it a conscious choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She she totally or chooses. Is it a to subconscious it. thing? Like 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 it turns into the pizza that she wants in her soul. She may not even be aware of. Yes, that's what it is. Okay, that's what happens. Uh, that's I'd like that power. I think that's that's pretty useful. Mm-hmm. Sean Moss can cover his body in a thick leather, like <laughs> armor. Ooh, when in danger, it will sort of it will come out of him. And cover him up in a. So he armors up in like tell. a in like a in like a like a like a leathery armor yeah. base. So he he can sort of withstand like n- indirect knife attack. Uh huh. Yeah. 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 Interesting. But it's leather, so it's not you know it's not bulletproof. Is it like rich Corinthian leather? It's like the best kind of armored, hardened. Mm. Like like out in the, the sun the, for a long time. Yeah, like the the real good centurions would have had that. I see. You know, but it looks cool as shit. His whole body? Yeah. His head yeah. too? Yeah, yeah. All around his head, his feet, gloves. Does it look like he's wearing a mask or is this just like yeah, his, like his face head. but leathery? Like Robert Redford. No, no, no. It's like it's like an outfit. I see. So, you know, like a like a knight's, you know, sort of like his eyes are exposed. But if somebody were to like stab for his eyes, then he would have the leather shield that would come up over it and he looks cool, though. There's a guy in my gym who we're all convinced lives on a boat who kind of has his power. 
Really? He just looks like he's walking leather. <laughs> the George Hamilton disease. <laughs> but even worse. Right. Like he doesn't moisturize ever. Brandon okay. Alexander, his power is that he has regular ears normally, but he can enlarge his ears and fly like Dumbo. All right. He can, re- but they're not always like that. No, no, he just, he can activate it. Dumb Let me ask Dumb you Warriors, I, yes. I don't remember this. I, there's, a, there's a film coming out. Yeah. This is not in any way affiliated with the Walt Disney Corporation, by no. the way. Although it probably will be at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we all, we'll all be bought by them. Is Dumbo allowed to, can he propel himself or does he only fly, like glide on No, he, air? he flaps his ears. Okay. Like, like bird wings. Mm-hmm. Don't ask about the physics of it. It doesn't make sense. But none of this doesn't make sense. None of it matters. Does he, does he fly like, like, does the body go behind him like Superman? Or does it more work like an ear helicopter where his body <laughs> dangles down? I mean, when he's sort of gliding, he can soar. But for the most part, it's like, an ear, it's like ear bird wings. He just sort of flaps up. <laughs> it's just his arms like dangling down. <laughs> does he need to use his hands to like steer? It's more fun. Just, like, yeah, well, I mean, if you, if you, if, you know, aerodynamically, you can sort of. You can yeah. angle your body in different ways. So, yeah, he can, right. his body is useful in that sense. Uh-huh. Makes a hell of a noise, though. Does he? <laughs> <laughs> uh, does he, uh, like, after he's been <laughs> <laughs> just flew in from pigs, boy, are my ears tired. Oh, thanks, Brett, <laughs> Stephanie, Sean, and Brandon for being patrons over at patreon.com slash ifanboy. You get your own power if you want. Let's do one email. Which one do you want to do? stupidest thing I've ever said on this show. <laughs> it was good, though. Uh, uh, let's see. Let's go for one. No, uh, Patrick. Patrick from Snow Hill, North Carolina. He says, Dear iFanboy, I've been thinking about this question for a few weeks now. And I'm wondering if you could recommend some non-superhero comic books for me to read, specifically comics with unique and original plots. I've been finding uh, most superhero comics humdrum, or I have not liked uh, what they were doing with the characters. I'm looking at you, Tom King, a la Wally West. Any suggestions? I'd like to point you to a podcast called the iFanboy Pick of the Week. (laughs) You may have heard of it. You may be listening to it now, in which we have, in this calendar year, talked about 33 non-superhero comic books on the show. I I counted. As a pick of the week, not counting the ones. No, just on the show. On the show. Okay. When this email came in, I thought we'd get to it eventually, so I made a little uh, document where I, I counted all the non-superhero comic books we talked about on the show this year only, and there's been 33 of them. So you got 33 options we've already talked about. Those are recent. If I turn my head to the right and I look at my shelf, which, to be honest, has not all been all that updated. I haven't added a lot of graphic novels and original things. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of classics uh, which are not superhero comics. My preference tends to be not superhero comics outside of the weeklies that we read. Mm-hmm, for sure. You know, uh, right off the top of my head, you know, Darwin Cook's Parker. Blankets. Uh, any of Alex Robinson's work is some of my favorite stuff. My favorite book of all time is Preacher. Kind of got superpowers, but it's a unique and original plot. They're not superheroes. And it's not about a superhero. There's historical comics. Will Eisner's A Contract with God. You know, mm-hmm. like there, there's things like there's – what was the the serious polyp? It's about an architect. Mm-hmm. There's thousands and thousands of them. And I could sit here all day and I can list off stuff to you. But that's actually probably going to be hard for you to work with. Here's what I think you should do. You should go to your local comic shop. Browse. Or the nearest one you could find. 
if there's a good one and just ask the people like if you have a good comic shop around you can kind of tell when you go in there whether it's the kind of comic shop that and you know what snow hill north carolina i don't know your chances are maybe they're not great go to heroes in charlotte i don't know how far you are from that you know like there's things to do like there's a lot like if you take any of those like take your favorite book that is a non-comic superhero book i'm sure you must know some we talk about them all the time lazarus we just talked about if you like Mm -hmm. that kind of thing go to amazon go to the first lazarus book scroll down other readers bought this looked at that like there's a tree right and you're always gonna be able to be able to find that like what would you say this is tough i don't want to ask you your for your favorite non-superhero comic because i think that that's hard but like if you had the name just like three of them off the top of your head that you think are amazing what would you say me yeah parker's one criminals probably one they're basically the same. The fade out. I mean, I'm just gonna stay in that genre. I mean, the, the sort of crime genre books. Brian Michael Bendis did a bunch of books before he was a superhero guy. He did Jinx and Torso. Torso's historical fiction. Goldfish. He and also he did. Uh, what was the one about Hollywood? He did Fortune and Glory. Fortune and Glory was a great one about his about his time in Hollywood trying to sell his comics. There's there's a whole range of them. You know, Strangers in Paradise. Cerebus, Joe Sacco. Bone. Joe Sacco was a, a uh, cartoonist journalist, and he did books about Palestine and um, Bosnia, yep. which are which are brilliant and wonderful. There's, there's a ton of stuff. There's war comics. There's a really great war comic from years ago called Alan's War um, mm. about World War II, uh, which is one that I absolutely loved. You know, uh, V for Vendetta is is not a superhero comic. You yeah. know, yeah. Sky and a Mask. That's that's a, an all time favorite. That's a great. I mean. There's no, uh, 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 from hell. From hell's a great one too. Some of my favorites. A, it's Alan Moore, you know, just doing a, a an. I mean, I just said V for Vendetta, but doing it, you know, again historical fiction. Jack, Ripper. Jack Ripper. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're so you, much. You got the benefit of seeing your your shelf right now, yeah, but yeah, yeah it's, no, I'm it. Uh, there's 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 a plethora of great sci-fi, crime, romance, war, biography. There's no lack of them. They're everywhere. Chew. Chew's a great one. There's Black Science powerful. is a great sci-fi book. Yeah, yeah. Lazarus, as we mentioned, is a great sort of post-apocalyptic. I don't even know. It's kind of I mean, a war comic. It's kind of sci-fi. We could go through all like the book of the years that we used to do. There was there yeah. was um, Ramon Perez's Tale of Sand. There mm-hmm. was that that Rasputin book. What was that called? Wasn't called Rasputin. Was it? No, because uh, then later. Um, oh right. Guy, what was it? Alex Gresham did a Rasputin book. Yeah. It was. Uh, I can't see it. <laughs> oh, uh, Petrogl- Petroglad. Petro- Petrograd. 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 That's a great one. Yeah. We, we just talked about, actually, this is interesting. We just talked about Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips, and they're great. And we also talked about the Wildstorm universe. There's there's a, a Sleeper, mm-hmm. which was the first thing that those guys ever did it's together. Set, it's a pair of world, but it's about spy. Yeah, it's excellent. It's really, really, really good. Anyway, there's a hundred recommendations for you right there, and you can work off that tree. Good luck. Yeah. Contact at ifanboy.com so you can write in like Patrick, get your email on the show. Thanks for everyone who does that. Let's do some quick plugs. The movie month of From Hell is happening this month as we go into April. We've got one more week in March. Uh, that's when we're going to see podcasts on Shazam, Hellboy, the next DC animated film, Justice League vs. The Fatal Five, and then Avengers Endgame. That's all happening in March. They'll probably have one special edition show. I'm sorry, April. I am so tired. Uh, one special edition show um, a week in April, I think, is what's end up happening. So you can look forward to that. Various people coming on the shows to help us out, talk about those films, and we're looking forward to it. And also, there's the new Booksplode coming up soon. Yes. This week, probably. Yes. JLA, New World Order, the DC Essential Edition. How many issues does that comprise? I believe it's 
10. I think it's JLA 1 through 9 and, and then the secret files. Okay. So it's the first one? It's the, fir- it's the first three stories. Because the, we'll talk about the show, but there's like, they're all short arcs. This is pre, pre-ready for the trade. Right. So there's like a three-issue arc, then a two-issue arc, and then a one-issue, and then one-issue, yep. one-shot, and then two issues. So there's, there's a bunch of storylines in, in that book. So this is 1997. Grant Morrison takes over the Justice League of America with artist Howard Porter. We talk about it a lot, and we actually haven't read it in a while. So we're going to go back. Read it, talk about it in context of then and of now, um, how it affected comics and change that came after it, um, what it did right, what it did wrong, how it feels, all that stuff. It'll be a good old time. So read that if you'd like to and be prepared for it. But either way, that show's coming at you. Again, thanks to the iFanboy patrons. And you head over to iFanboy.com so you can find all of our podcasts, this show, all those special edition shows, the books blows, the past talks blows. Josh's interview with Joe Caramagna is there. And you can find out what the pick of the week is before the show comes out by liking Facebook.com slash iFanboy and following iFanboy on Twitter and also following us on Instagram at, at iFanboyComics. That's where you can find what the pick is. You can also find our Best of the Week in Panels feature we do every week. It's a fun time there. It's a growing community around our Instagram account. We're really happy to see that. You can also follow us individually at Jay Flanagan on Twitter and Instagram and at C.S. Kilpatrick on Instagram. If you like this show and you think, All right, listen, you already talked to me about how to give you money. Dude, stop. You're not NPR. You need to leave me alone or give me a pledge-free stream. But say that you don't want to do that. What we would like you to do, then, yes, we're still asking more of you. I know. We give and give to you. We need to take a little back, too. <laughs> you like that you can write a review for yeah. this show. Let her be. Or leave it. Or leave it. <laughs> I love that phrase. Or uh, leave a star rating on iTunes. Do it for our show. Do it for other shows you really like. You know, it doesn't take a long time, but it makes a big difference. And it lasts. It stays there once you do it. Uh, you've, you've put in your vote for everything, and, and we appreciate everyone does that. Uh, better yet, tell people about it. Put it up on social media. Recommend it to folks in the, in the appropriate context. Don't recommend it in the wrong context. It's, you know, hi, this is the IRS. We'd like to talk to you about... <laughs> Oh, hold on, can I stop you right there? How do you feel about contemporary comic books coming out weekly? I don't know if that's germane to the conference. Just hold on a second, because yeah. I know just the show for you. That's not the right place to do it. You're not going to get out of your audit. It's gonna I'm happen. not saying we don't appreciate it. Connor and I, we appreciate it. Sure. 100%. But I don't know that it's going to help you, and I really don't want to dig you in any more hot water. You owe a lot of money. <laughs> it might even hurt you. It's possible, and I don't. I definitely don't want to feel responsible for so that. Yeah, I have heard that show. Those guys are dicks. You're getting audited. Oh, yeah, that's 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 a real risk. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> <laughs> do that. And thank you for those that do. Let's get out. I'm out of here. I'm Connor. I'm Josh. See you next Bye. time. Bye. I'm going to finish my seltzer.